Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. This episode of the podcast, I'd like to feature a conversation I recently recorded with Alicia Braxton. Alicia is an Executive MBA format student in our class of 2020, and she and I recently sat down to talk a little bit more about her MBA journey, why she decided to pursue an MBA, what led her to Darden, and how she has grown and developed over the course of her time in the program. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Alicia Braxton. Alicia, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. All right. So uh, tell our listeners just a little bit more about you. Uh, Who are you and what's your background? Yeah. So my name is Alicia Braxton. Um, I live in D.C. Um, Currently, in terms of like work-wise, been in marketing my whole life, went from ad agencies to then working in retail and now moved over to CPG. Um, I am a second year in the Darden Exec program. Um, I think Q7 at this point. Yeah, so I'm in the back half of the program. Um, Yeah. How does that feel, by the way? It feels really good. (laughs) It feels really, really good. Um, I think now we're getting to some of the classes that are electives. So we had the opportunity to choose them. So I picked the ones that I thought would be most relevant to me um, while also now having like done the foundations. So I've done all the accounting and the finance and the decision analysis, the stuff that really gives you those foundations. So now I can take more of like the softer skills and I'm, I'm super into it. All right. So um, want to ask you just a little bit more about electives because yeah. we get tons of questions from prospective students about concentration, specializations. That's not something that we do here at Darden in the Executive MBA program. And um, I'm curious about how you thought about the electives that you wanted to take or what, what really caught your eye. What were you thinking, hoping to accomplish uh, during the elective period? Yeah, so with electives specifically, I really wanted um, – just to be continue to be well-rounded. So I'm actually currently taking entrepreneurial thinking. And while I'm not necessarily looking to sort of go out on my own venture, I still thought, even though I'm working for a large corporation, it's still important to sort of have that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, so I think, and so far the class has been amazing and the professor is amazing. And um, you you just are learning things that outside of this class, I don't know that I would have gotten the opportunity to do that. Um, And then moving into the other quarters, I really picked classes that I thought would be more challenging. So like a pricing class, which probably is going to include some quant, but I'm (laughs) going to, I'll struggle through it. But I think that I'm going to get a lot out of it. Um, Just in, you know, working for a CPG brand, I feel like that's going to be relevant in determining pricing and understanding the um, the choices there. So I really tried to pick classes that sort of made me more well-rounded. So um, that entrepreneurial thinking class is with Greg Fairchild, um, who is a leader for all uh, DC initiatives for Darden and also is, is doing similar work for the University of Virginia. Um, we get to work with him here. He's also a former podcast guest, I should note. Uh, one of our first guests here on the Exec MBA podcast. In fact, our first guest ever. So oh, wow. Y'all now have more in common than just the yeah. entrepreneurial thinking class. So um, how did you think through the decision to go back to school and get an MBA? Yeah. 
Um, that's a really great question. I had been thinking about it for quite a while before I even moved to the DC area. It was always something I was working in ad agencies and I went to my undergrad for, you know, marketing and communications and I'd always only been around marketers. Um, and I knew that I didn't want to stay in agency life. I knew that I wanted to, I was starting to grow out of it, but I didn't feel like I had the skills to feel comfortable in a corporation, even a small business that had different functions. So I thought, and thought and thought for years, really. And I was like, I need to just bite the bullet and do it so that I can sort of understand like what a finance director is talking about, what my um, accounting team is talking about. So just so that I know the language and understand and have, um, like I mentioned before, just being more well-rounded. Yeah. I'm glad that you noted that you thought about it for a long time. We we tell prospective students that, you know, many of them will call and or have a meeting with us and say, look, I've been thinking about this forever. And we always stress with people, you know, that's not unusual. Just given where people are in their lives, you were likely very busy when you were thinking about all of this uh, professionally, personally, people have a lot going on. Yeah, um, exactly. And I think that also you spend, you don't have a lot of free time to begin with. So it's hard to imagine continuing with a full-time job and then also add somehow finding time to add in a very demanding program demanding of your time of the of that free time that you had so it is a big decision so I think that it's appropriate for it to take as long as it needs um but in the end I just I knew I had to I I had thought about it for so long that I just needed to pull the trigger and do it so um, let's talk about time management. That's, I think, the thing that, you know, once people get into the process and they're starting to really contemplate the reality of the program, mm-hmm. what it will mean uh, for them. Um, how did, you know, as you were getting started out, if you can remember back to those first few quarters, how did it go? Um, how did you, you know, start to fit school into your life? What was your, what was your approach? Yeah, so luckily I had a friend that was in the 2019 class. So I leaned on her a lot before I even started the program just to get her advice on how, like what I should do now before I start so that I can be prepared. Um, So she, along with her other classmates, gave me a lot of feedback and like advice. And um, the biggest thing she told me was tell the people in your life now that you're just busy. You're just not going to be able to see them all the time so then you don't have that like guilty feeling she also said let your work know well in advance and i know that that's also part of the uh, application process um so let your work know the demands the schedule give your boss uh, you know heads up about everything just inform everyone so then when you do start to roll into the program and things get more intense you don't have to worry about that you've gotten in front of it um, so that you can better manage like your work school balance a little bit better um, and your personal life as well. Yeah, you're right. Um, we do require a company support letter uh, for anyone that's planning to attend our executive MBA program. You can include that letter uh, with your application materials. You don't have to do so. Um, but it's a letter typically from your supervisor acknowledging the time commitment of the program and authorizing uh, you to take the time necessary to participate in the program. Uh, we also generally recommend 
um, for executive MBA candidates, since you will be working while doing this program, to, to think about your current supervisor as, as your recommender. Um, we require one recommendation in our executive MBA application process. Obviously, you know, it's up to the applicant uh, who he or she chooses for that, that recommendation. Uh, but the current supervisor is, is always, always suggested, just given the nature of, of the program and the fact that you're going to continue working while doing this. So um, what was your biggest uh, lesson? If you, if you had to give the folks listening to this podcast a piece of advice other than you know, communicate with all these people in your life, help set, set you know, boundaries or expectations, uh, what was your biggest les- lesson or takeaway from the early parts of the program? My biggest lesson is to um, engage with the career advisors as soon as possible. Um, and I know before I even started, I think, or after LR1, early in the program, I had an initial meeting with Sarita, and I was convinced that I was a climber, um, meaning I wanted to stay in my current organization and just you know, continue to climb. And after talking with her, I realized, oh, wow, there are, there's some opportunity out there that I was not aware of, but I was still convinced. So after that, I sort of continued to set up regular meetings with her while we were on grounds and she was here um, in Roslyn. So we just continued to explore. She had me list out some of my like favorite companies, things I hadn't really thought about. We worked through my resume. And I wasn't I wasn't actually really looking for anything. I was just sort of exploring and figuring it out. Um, and then after sort of going through the process with her, I realized, oh, I think I'm ready to make a shift. So I would say get in with the career advisors as soon as you can because they will offer you a perspective that you don't realize that you don't have, you didn't, you had no idea that there are these other opportunities out there for, for you as a Darton student. That's one of the great things about being in the program is all of a sudden you have access to career services uh, that you don't typically have. You're just walking around sidewalks of Roslyn <laughs> thinking about, I'd like to make a switch. You don't have career advisors to talk to or a course like the professional advancement course. Um, oh, right. Yeah, which I will note for um, our class of 2021 and going forward is actually in the first quarter of the program. So to your point about engaging early with these questions, uh, we have career kickoff meetings. These are one-on-ones that incoming students have typically prior to or at least soon after the start of school um, with a member of our career team. And then the professional advancement course, which is led by Connie Dunlop, who's also been on the podcast uh, to talk a little bit about that course if you're interested. Um, but it's, you know, thinking very much about your career journey and who can, um, who can help you along, along the way. Yeah, um, that class is amazing. And I think it's such a great idea that it's earlier in the program. Um, I think we had it middle of the program. Yeah, quarter five. Yeah, which was still great, but the earlier the better, honestly, with that class. It's great. Well, part of this, and I think this is the interesting thing about our program, and every program is different, um, but we have a pretty diverse set of career goals represented within our within our, our classes, typically. You have some students who want to move up, up within their existing organization, but we have an ever-growing number of people who are interested in switching. Uh, now, there may be varying degrees of commitment to that idea. You know, some people are just exploring. Other people know for sure that they want to switch. But the last number I saw was, you know, as, as 
much as potentially 75% of some of the classes that we've had come through here uh, have been open to switching, uh, potentially considered a switch uh, as part of the decision to go get an MBA. Um, to, maybe to your earlier point, they might have realized this once they got into the program and started having some of these conversations. But it's definitely part of, of the process, I would say. Yeah, and I you could you can sort of see it um, towards the second half of the program or, you know, when you're in the middle of the first half where people are starting to think like, oh, I sort of like what this person does. Or, you know, we're all together so much that you're talking and meeting people, meeting friends of friends and sort of realizing, wait, I like what they do or I want to do that or I want to explore more of that. So you just, your mind is open so much more and you're willing to sort of just sit back and maybe consider switching. Well, one of the things you noted in terms of your decision to pursue an MBA was that you're a marketer who's always been in the company of marketers. And so you come to Darden General Management Program. How did your classmates you know, shape, influence your learning experience? Um, were you able, did you find yourself, I, I kind of know, the, I feel like I know the answer, but I'm curious what you would say about this. Uh, did you find yourself, you know, having sort of your thinking shaped by the people that, that were in the room with you? Initially, it was actually very intimidating um, to be around people that have, just have such a skill that I don't have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and with my learning team specifically, because we're, we're fairly close um, and we've worked together for a while, it was interesting just to see how someone with more of a quantitative background thinks versus myself, which more um, I'm stronger in like the softer skills and more qualitative. It's just interesting to see how we sort of look at a case from a different perspective. And so I'm able to learn from them. They're able to learn from me where initially you think, I don't know that they're going to get anything from me. I don't feel like I'm really contributing, but in the end, they're actually truly learning something from you. So I think it really goes both ways. Um, you just get an opportunity to just share ideas um, amongst each other. And before you know it, I mean, I'll never be a quant. I will never be a strong quant. But I do feel more comfortable um, in those classes and with the material. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I do think that's sort of an existential struggle for many executive MBA candidates. Um, many people feel like they're underqualified through the admissions process, uh, even after they're admitted uh, and decide to matriculate at Darden. Many people sort of question why are they here. We get a longer talk about imposter syndrome um, during orientation with the class of 2021, but that's a real thing. That sort of feeling like everybody else, you know, got in somehow. You slipped in, uh, you know, and then you think about those early case discussions. You know, you're going to have some quantitative courses up front. I was just here with our 2021s over the past weekend. Uh, decision analysis and global economics with, you know, Peter DeBear, Robert Carraway, uh, right right out the gate. Yeah. So it, it may have some of the more qualitative students wondering, what's my value add here? Um, but it sounds like, you know, everybody brings something to the table. They do. And those professors specifically, um, I think, do a great job, even especially in, um, what is it, global economics mm-hmm. that they're taking now. Mm-hmm. Um, De Beer, De Beer, he, 
I think understands that not everyone is going to be strong in this class. Some people are coming to the class with a lot of knowledge and understanding, and it's something that they're just super interested in and have been for a long time. But he recognizes that that some people don't have that strength, but he will pull it out of you so that by the end of that, um, by the by the time that course is over, you are. I was so surprised at how much I was able to understand and retain just based on the way that he teaches the class. Um, I think it can feel so intimidating in the beginning, but by the end, you're you're going to feel much more comfortable. And he. I don't know what sort of, I don't know what he does, but he just makes it like truly a, like a good learning environment. Well, it's a, it's really a credit to the the strength of the faculty. You know, they're, they're obviously leaders in their field and incredibly accomplished academicians, but they're also great teachers yeah. too, and put a lot of care and thought into how they lead these classes. So um, if you're listening to this and kind of wondering about a class, you know, what these classes look like, join us for a class visit. We got a class visits, you know, once or twice a month here uh, in Roslyn, typically on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So uh, did you come for a class visit or anything, any of those prospective student events as you were as you were making your decision? So I did not come for a class visit, which I regret. I wish I would have. Um, but I did do some of the more informal Um, like networking events, um, just to sort of see how the class of 19 interacted. I hung out with some of them after, like after their on grounds, um, sort of while they're in the moment and I could get a real sense of what the deal was. Um, but yeah, I think there's so, there's so many recruiting opportunities and so many events just to meet people and get a sense of what the program is. So I definitely would encourage after, yeah, that's probably the best thing you can do. Um, attend some of these events. You can see it in person and interact with the current students. Yeah. It's one of those things, um, you know, obviously there are a lot of great programs. I think people tend to connect with the culture of different programs, uh, differently. You know, I, I think, uh, what we try to do from an admission standpoint is give you multiple opportunities and settings to learn about the program, to get a feel for what the program's all about, to be introduced to the program's culture. Um, and, you know, ideally, you come to a few of those, you get a chance to know us, we get a chance to know you, and uh, you have a lot of data when you're thinking through this decision because it's obviously a really, really important one. Um, and if you come for a class visit this year, I'll put in a quick plug. Uh, we are offering fee waivers for anyone who comes for an executive MBA class visit, and you can use that fee waiver uh, to apply to our executive MBA program. So a material incentive too. Yeah, so uh, that great. we feel that strongly about the power the power of the class visit. So I'm curious. Quarter seven now. The end is mm-hmm. in sight. Mm-hmm. Uh, polled. I took an informal sort of convenience uh, poll of your classmates the last time you were here in residency, and they all said that they could kind of see the finish line. You know, and I'm curious how that feels to you. Is it, you know, are, are, is it melancholy at all? You know, knowing that you know your time here will be up. Is it exciting knowing that you'll get a lot more free time back in your life? I'm, I'm curious how that how that feels. It's a little bit of a mix of both. Um, I will be sad to sort of have this chapter of my life over. It's just been such a long process sort of getting you know deciding to do the program and then now being part of it um but i think 
I will mostly be thrilled um, just to have completed the program and already feeling just so not necessarily smarter, um, but more business smart, I think. Um, and now that I've transitioned into a new job, I do. there's such a difference in how I'm approaching this job versus how I've approached jobs in the past. So I am excited to just sort of see as the rest of the, um, the second year plays out, sort of what else I'm able to learn um, and from my professors and from my classmates. What, what do you think has been the, the biggest impact of the program for you thus far? You talked about some of the career uh, support you've taken advantage of and, and some of the things uh, you've, you've, you've learned along the way. Uh, what, what's been the biggest impact, do you think? The biggest impact has been uh, the feedback I've received from my classmates. Um, the feedback from professors is amazing, and but it's really been from my classmates. I think a lot of the times... I'm getting feedback from them. I don't realize sort of how I'm portrayed in class or in a small group on my learning team, but it's nice to hear positive and constructive feedback. Um, And that's really, really helped me. I think in the beginning of the program and even still now, I tend to be quieter in class. And a lot of the feedback I was getting was, you know, we love when you talk because what what you say really has weight to it. We just love to hear you more. And I think in my mind, I didn't I didn't know that people would even notice. So then I just started I really started to internalize that feedback and um, speak up a little bit more. I still struggle with it, but I'm getting better. And then you know, taking carrying that even into work when I'm in meetings and realizing that I do have something to say that is impactful. Um, so that's been really the biggest thing is the feedback from my classmates. It's such a good point. Uh, when I first started doing these podcast interviews, um, I'd ask people, you know, what would you get out of the program and alumni or people who are, you know, current students still, you know, what's been your greatest takeaway? And I always expected it to be some technical or quantitative thing. And almost invariably people were like, Oh, I'm much more self-aware mm-hmm. than I was before. Or I've had an opportunity to think about my blind spots when it comes to managing or leading a team. And, you know, a lot of the value for, for people with respect to this program, I mean, certainly you get technical uh, knowledge and skills, uh, but it's in this kind of sort of softer side. Um, particularly, I mean, I think you think about the kinds of roles people are in um, when they're doing this program. Uh, typically, people are in that sort of middle management type position, but aspiring to be, you know, more senior leaders. And so, uh, those aren't really technical roles that, that people are you know moving into or are already in. Uh, they're, they're people management roles or you, know, you have that sort of interpersonal dimension to it. So self-awareness and you know your understanding of your strengths and weaknesses and all those kinds of things have a lot of impact. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I didn't expect the program to be as like introspective as it was. And that started in LR1. I think that's actually the most introspective that you get. I haven't yet done LR2, so I don't know yet, but um, that's when I was like, wow, I sort of am going to be understanding a lot more about who I am and how I work with others in this program. And that's exactly what it's been. So let's talk a little bit more, uh, coming back to your comment about speaking up in class, because there is this thing, um, you know, 
most folks, you know, do a little bit of research, you know that Darden's a case method school, and the reality of the case method means you will have to participate and you'll have to speak up. Uh, that can feel intimidating to folks. Um, it sounds like you've been on a bit of a journey with all of that or um, in terms of sort of finding your voice in class. And I'm curious about sort of you had that feedback from your classmates you know, how did you go about speaking up more, even getting to a place where you felt like, in, you know, internally, like, no, I, I need to need to do this? What, what was your approach? Yeah. So um, in the beginning, I was, you get cold called in class. It's case method. Um, and they want to make sure you're prepared and paying attention. So you get the cold call and you're, you know, everyone's really good about it and everyone's prepared. And, and even when I was prepared, I would feel just immediately anxious when they called my name, even though I knew the answer and knew what, you know, knew how I needed to respond. Um, and then once I'm cold called, then I'm like, I'm done. I don't need to participate in my mind. Um, and then I sort of realized as classes would go on that I had more things to say, but there was just something in me that was hesitant because I was thinking, Oh, it's not going to be right. Or someone's, going to judge me for what I'm saying or whatever. Um, and then I started getting all this feedback from my classmates that were saying like, every time you speak, it's great. Just don't like, it's almost like they could tell that I had something to say, but I was just like, I can't, this doesn't feel right. Um, and so it was really that feedback that just made me have the courage to just raise my hand. Um, and, you know, if you don't get called on, you don't get called on. But when you do get called on and you have something to say, it just felt so much better than just like holding in this great thought you had, thinking that it wasn't going to move the conversation in class forward when really probably four, 14 other people in class wanted to say the same thing and, you know, now are agreeing with you and now it's moved the conversation. Um, so I think it's really just don't think about it. Everyone in class is there to learn. No one is judging you. Everyone wants to have everyone contribute because we're all so diverse in thought, um, experience, and a lot of people want to hear what you have to say because there are other people in the room that I'm a marketer and maybe they're looking into the career and sort of want to understand more about my background and how it relates to whatever subject we might be talking about. So just remember, I would just say, remember that um, and just have the courage to speak up. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, our 2021 is just getting started with the program. So they've had Leadership Residency 1, LR1, and they just completed their first on-grounds residency. And that first on-grounds residency, you can always feel the nerves a little mm -hmm. bit as someone who's outside the experience, uh, having been around for a few of them at this point. Um, and, you know, I, I do think it's to your point, everybody's a little bit nervous about, about speaking up and, you know, making sure that they offer value. But the thing that I, we always stress with prospective students is, you know, we're thinking very intentionally about the class and the class composition and what people will bring to the conversation in class. So if you're sitting there, uh, know that someone uh, along the way, or typically some, some ones uh, along the way, felt like, no, you're somebody that we want here that has a lot to offer to the classroom discussion. And so um, there's, there's no accident in that. That's so true. And I, I did notice that after class a lot when we have our breaks and we're sort of huddled together at the snack table or grabbing water, um, someone would come up to me and say, oh, I loved what you said in class and want to talk more about it. Um, and that's when I was really like, oh, wow, this is mm -hmm. 
you know, this is what this is supposed to be. So I uh, mentioned that, that you've got a, got a few more quarters to go. Um, what are you most looking forward to uh, over these last uh, two, three quarters? I think what I'm most looking forward to is just continuing to be courageous, um, continuing to have a point of view in class, um, and also just continuing the relationship with my classmates. Um, there's so many, even at this point, so many people I haven't really gotten a chance to really talk to. Um, and so I want to make sure that before this program is over and we're not sort of forced together, um, that I'm able to connect with people and, you know, I want to continue to make memories. It's still, you know, even though it's untraditional, it might be untraditional how we're doing it, it still is essentially college. So I want it to feel, I want to make sure that I'm making the most of this experience, um, especially in the back half. Yeah. People ask all the time, you know, how can you really get to know your classmates and what's essentially a hybrid program, right? You do two thirds in person, one third online. So, uh, it's not a hundred percent in person, but even the online portions, you see all your classmates there, they do help maintain the connectivity, um, between the on grounds residencies, the in-person components. Um, but, you know, it's a little a little bit about the people who are in the program, right? Everybody's chosen this program because they want to be uh, actively involved in their educational experience. And then it's also a little bit about what happens when people are here, right? The case method forces you to learn about your classmates and what are the backgrounds and how do they think and how do they see the world. And so, um, you know, that sort of social, the social interaction happens in and out of class here, which I think is pr- pretty unique uh, in the world of executive MBA programs. Yeah. And I think it's honestly one of the best parts about the program. Um, because like you said, you're set up in class to sort of get to know your, your classmates, but then we also have opportunities outside the classroom that are, um, you know, not only dart and led, but also just on our own, um, where we're able to connect with our classmates and learn more. Well, Alicia, I ask every uh, student guest uh, the same question to, to wrap things up. Um, knowing what you know now uh, as, a, as a second year executive MBA student, um, what would be your piece of advice to prospective students? What's, what's one piece of advice, suggestion you would have uh, for the prospective students listening to this podcast? Man, so many pieces of advice. But my biggest piece of advice would be to enjoy it. Um, it goes by really fast, which is great, <laughs> but also you don't want to miss the opportunity and miss the experience. Um, spend time with your classmates, get to know your professors, send you know the, the question that you think might be silly in an email to your professor, and you'll be so surprised at how how you know quick they are to respond and that the answer is so helpful don't be um don't be hesitant to reach out to your career advisors just utilize all the resources that darden has um from the beginning that's my biggest advice take advantage of every single thing well alicia thank you so much for uh taking time out of should note your Tuesday evening uh, to be here. Uh, we're recording this at Sands Family Grounds on a, yeah. on a lovely Tuesday night. It's beautiful. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, 
So uh, go forth, have a, have a great Tuesday, and, and thank you so much for uh, taking time to share your experience. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is great. And that was my conversation with Alicia Braxton, an executive MBA format student in our class of 2020. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we are all ears. If you have any ideas, you can reach us at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at Darden.Virginia.edu. Until next time, thanks for listening.